When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Out of the gates, ready to go. Outkick 360 is back from 6th and Peabody with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer with Chad Withrow, Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us. Thanksgiving week is here. Plenty of football to discuss. Lights out with Sean Merriman joins us. Uh, he joins us in 20 minutes. Looking forward to chatting with the former NFL pass rusher. John McClain of the Houston Chronicle is back in Houston after his trip to Nashville last week. We'll discuss Titans-Texans, but dive into all of the NFL news and notes as we go into Week 12. Plus, Glenn Gilbo, LSU beat tweet, and OutKick's senior SEC writer. We will dissect the SEC, and he will give us his thoughts on who the next head coach of LSU and Florida will be. Gentlemen, good afternoon. We are squeezing a lot into a little this week. We have three shows for the Thanksgiving holiday. I feel like people out there, you're either doing the same as us, squeezing a lot of work into a little time. You're doing no work at all. And to those of you who are doing no work at all this week, I salute you. Yeah. Well done. You're either working right. hard or you're nothing. hardly working. It's one of the two. Yeah, you're either working a lot to get to Thanksgiving or doing no work at all. Either way, we salute you. We applaud you. And we hope you'll applaud this show because we're going to have um, a lot to get to in three days this week. It's looking sharp down here. This area, you seeing that down there? Looks good. Like that. Oh, Paul, yeah. like for, the for those whole listening look. on radio, Paul's Sorry. pointing down yeah. to our desk. Very nice, uh, which is now animated for video below us uh, of our of our Outkick 360 and with I, the color full coloration and the animation. Paul was not pointing below his waist; he was pointing at the yes. desk. Yeah. No, looking it's not great looking, down it, there. It looks the same down here as it always looks. <laughs> also, uh, Manscaped nothing is new, back on board yes. as a sponsor. That's what Paul was going to get to. That nothing was nothing new going on down there. <laughs> and I like not to illustrate my words so that you could always like catch me and do that for radio. Years Park. together or whatever it is, I hope you would get the yeah. point. Yeah, it's just right here, down here. Yeah. This, this right here. Have you always been this distracted by shiny things, or is this just like an as you get older, the more shiny the thing? Well, that's, the first, that's the first it's been. Well, you there, you just right? got here five minutes ago. This, this has been operating for the past two and a half hours. Yeah, well, I haven't been here for those two and a half hours. Obviously, Paul saw it's not it a surprise he, that I showed he, up when I did. I alerted. Um, yeah, we knew you would be here right on time. It does look good. Yeah, uh, to Paul's sharp. defense, it looks good. The animation. Uh, as I talk people through it that are listening right now, there's animation with it with X's nose. Let's give it sound effect. It's got, look, you want to have a show that sounds like this. <laughs> you want a lot of that. It when looks you're doing like the show. that. It looks like Chad sounds. Right it, lo- it looks like it looks like what every broadcast strives to be. You know what didn't it's look the like look that last broad- night? It's the look, Paul, of what we want to sound yes. like. Yes. And you know what didn't sound like that last night? That game. The Giants? Yeah, it was just a. I thought, I thought for a game. brief moment, for a brief, for a, a, a brief quarter and a half, we were going to see a game because the Giants had been playing well, and they were emptying. They were emptying the barrel against Tampa Bay. I mean, they're throwing to an offensive lineman 
you know, who has a choreographed touchdown dance, dance because he knew he was going to have that call in the books. It went so bad that Joe Judge just ripped his coaching staff in post-game press conferences. And then fire. Um, they ripped it, refused to talk about Jason Garrett, refused to answer questions about Jason Garrett as offensive coordinator. Uh, and then today, Jason Garrett fired as the offensive coordinator of the New York Giants. I need to go find this tweet. I can't remember which of the NFL Network guys. I'm going to find it, and I'm going to tweet this out. Um, one of the NFL Network guys mentioned Jason Garrett for the open Chargers job in the offseason, and I tweeted back at him. I said, now this, ladies and gentlemen, is a perfect example of a guy throwing out a good source's name for a, a name. job he's absolutely yes. unqualified no for. Doubt. And he came back at me. He's like, I think Jason Garrett would be great for this job. And I said, sure you do. That's why everybody. <laughs> well, uh, that's why everybody's piling on the Jason Garrett for the Chargers game trade. And I'm going to find that tweet today, and I'm going to hit him again. I'm going to say, hey, don't only mourn for Jason Garrett today. Mourn for this reporter who's lost a crucial source in the league who's not going to get as good a stuff from the Giants as he's been getting because this guy propped him up, not just for the Giants coordinator position, but thought he should be coaching the Chargers right now. Also, mourn Derek Dooley and Freddie Kitchens, who are two offensive special <laughs> next, assistants next for, that, for that team. Yeah. yeah. And he's got seven games left or six games left. I, I guess. I mean, do they not leave with him? No. Because <laughs> they stick around? I got to have a staff. Um, it, it, I mean, it's bad. You knew that, I mean... Odds well, were high that the Bucks were going to bounce back last night. The Giants were going to have enough. And I say coordinator. He was relieved of his play calling duties last week. Yeah. So he was nothing more than just a this coach the on the sideline uh, helping, helping Daniel Jones. Daniel coffee. Jones, I, at some point, you buy into this narrative. Uh, and I, I wasn't starting this season because everyone was pointing to his record on national TV and nationally televised games. He is 0-8 on games that are played in the spotlight. Yeah. That is crazy. He's not he a rise to the occasion games. guy. You would win one by accident. That's a big enough sample size. You would win one by accident. Look, the guy's got some skills. Yeah. But he's not a starting quarterback, and he's certainly not a New York starting quarterback. Um, he's and, a starting quarterback for a really bad NFL team. Yeah. Or, That's in a bad a rebuilding nice spot. A nice backup because he can run, right? So you bring him in off the bench, and, and could he do what Colt McCoy just did? You know, in an ideal situation, maybe. Could he run for, off the bench when a guy gets hurt? Could he sustain a lead with his ability to run and throw some safe passes? I, I think, yeah, but is he a first-round uh, first top 10 pick? Hell no. Well, they're, they are, they're in a really – they're in a world of hurt with their offense because the offense is really built around Saquon Barkley, not Daniel Jones. And Barkley has been hurt. Yeah. I mean, they went out in free agency and they brought in Galladay. He hasn't done very much. He's because, also been hurt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They've been banged up. But Saquon Barkley returned last night. Prior to that, he missed 18 of the last 23 possible games he could play. He had an ACL, right? He had the ACL. So we're seeing in Nashville, setback. you know, for an offensive then, lineman, well, it's a two-year injury. For a defensive, uh, for an outside linebacker with Bud Dupree, it's a two-year uh, injury. For a running back, it's definitely... Yeah, but it more was more like than, a two-year injury. No, and, it was more than that for him because he came back and was playing okay, was getting back into the groove, and then like had that freak deal where he caught a pass or he like pivoted, he was able to pivot on his foot. Did something new. Uh, and then a player, no, a player like stepped on his ankle and it like it, it, like twisted his ankle in a way where he was sidelined for the last couple of weeks. Yeah. 
I bet the freak, I bet the under uh, when we did those preseason uh, uh, bets. I bet the under on his yardage total, and I'm looking good for that. Question for you guys. He's not getting 1,300 Well, it's an interesting thing about uh, Barkley because he is in year four. They've picked up his fifth-year option, and they have to figure out where what they're going to offer him. Yeah. Because w- when they drafted in number two overall, um, he was being compared to the all-time greats. He's and, not that special. Well, I mean, let's look at the let's look at the money allocated to the special running backs. Aaron Jones makes twelve million a year in Green Bay. Joe Mixon makes twelve million a year uh, in Cincinnati. What what's Saquon Barkley going to warrant on a free agent market? The Giants are up. They have a really tough decision coming up because he's going to make a little over seven or eight million, I think, next year on the fifth-year option, but you don't really want to get to that point. You'd like to extend him if you can, but what's the what's the right offer but, for but a guy the, who's not available? Plus, the outside market is nothing for him, is it? I mean, it only takes one, but who's going to say, and I know there are some dumb teams, but who's going to say, we need Saquon Barkley, who's got a bad knee and some tread on the tires, as opposed to, let's draft a guy in the third round who will be cheap for four yeah. years and who will come up in our system and be young and have far less tread. And not not some scars on his legs. I would think no one would do that, but fewer and there's fewer always teams. someone who's dumb, like you said. Yeah, fewer and fewer teams. Are you guys sticking with the Manning cast or watching traditional broadcasts? Last night was the a worst Manning cast. I watched, yeah, they I watched stepped the all over their night. guests and each other, and it was bad. They've got to find a way to signal who's talking when, and they've got to got to got to give guests better equipment. When they, I mean, Bill Parcells had the best setup yet. Yeah, he had a great setup, and then uh, Condoleezza Rice's was okay, but Edelman's was horrible. He's in the dark, and they were cutting each other off. I, I Kevin gotta, Hart's wasn't great either. They've got to get better at that. I don't understand how they're not sending out a ring light and something better than that on a big time yeah. production like this. They send better stuff to the blog network, guys. I know because I had it. So I, I don't understand how I would have had better stuff than Julian Edelman's getting. I mean, if you know you're getting him five days in advance, you overnight him stuff that's very simple to use. They can give you a ring that goes right on your uh, – they've got new ones. They slide right onto your computer right here. It's as simple as that for the lighting. And then those guys just have to figure out how to be sure somebody's done. That, that talking over each other gets really annoying. Yeah, the delay, I'm not sure what you can do with that. The delay is a problem in terms of talking over someone. Last night was the first time I found myself thinking, I would just rather have Peyton and Eli more. Because their timing's good, right? I mean, they have no issues with their timing or stepping over each other. They're good with the back and forth. I don't think they need four. I did yes. like how um, Edelman was explaining how Tom Brady refers to everyone as babe. Yeah. That was he good. said, what are they saying right here? Yeah, see, he was that doing was the good. back and forth with him and Gronk. And that was camera. also off said, the cuff. babe, you know, I'm not my legs. I don't have them right now, babe. And he said, okay, babe. And then Peyton signed off with him. Can you do one more segment with us? Two, two minutes left, babe. That All was right. also good off the cuff by Peyton because he was about to go to something on his list. And instead, he saw that picture, that, that video of Gronk talking to, Pe- to Brady. And he said, he went off his script. He said, what are they saying here? Give us this conversation. And that was the good, the good stuff. But the, uh, the, it's the technical issues more than anything that hurt it. Yeah, I think Peyton and Eli are both very good with their quick wit and their ability to bounce off people. But it's the delay. I mean, you're, it's it's the ba- they can't. There's no knowing when the person's done talking, and then someone tries to talk, and, uh, uh, 
and, and then they both silent. start again, and, and then up. they both stop. And, and then it's like, are you going to go or silent. am I going to go? It's very frustrating when that starts happening. Uh, this news just coming in also that caught my eye. Michael Strahan is about to go to space on Jeff Bezos' next Blue Origin flight Dude, to space. That is just weird. New York Times reporting uh, Jeff Bezos' private space flight company said on Tuesday Strahan has already been fitted for a spacesuit and will be on the next flight. So this he's is, with ABC, right? He is with Good yes. Morning America. Yeah, so they, go, they will go live from space on Good Morning America. All right. Yep. Guys, we always used to say we needed somebody with a jet that would jet us to a big event. And I hope you're with me here. We still need somebody with a jet. <laughs> we do not need somebody to take us to space. Also, nobody ever would take I'm us to space. I'm just not ready to go to we space. Just need There's a not jet. enough people up there right now where I'm not. I don't feel comfortable enough also, doing that. Also, I don't want to vomit. I don't want to vomit. I just want, I just want the jet. Let's I don't think you jet. will. Like, I, 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 I think I would. I don't hear of the people that are going that have vomited. No? No. <laughs> Listen, if we jet somewhere, we'd catch a game. If we go to space, we're just coming right back. Well, there's we won't, a, there, we is a, there is a new except- flight to London that they are building. Um, like that, that the one of the airlines has is trying to mass produce this plane that will cut down a flight from New York to London to three and a half is hours. That, repl- well, that kind of replaces the Concorde. Well, they go into space. <laughs> is that how that works? I don't know. I think the Concorde was like four. That'd be terrific if you could go United to United Airlines has announced it will buy 15 supersonic planes that can hit speeds of 1,300 miles per hour, slash the time it takes to fly from New York to London to three and a half hours. Still got to deal with the jet lag thing, and that's it's going to cost a pretty penny. But boy, does that make it attractive to go to Europe? <laughs> I mean, was it the three extra hours that was stopping you from going to Europe before? Well, I mean, you you could go for a shorter period of time with the three hour flight. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like flying from. It's like flying a Southwest flight from Nashville to Arizona. Yeah. You could get to London from New York. Like for your bachelor party. Leave at midnight, get there at Bachelor just, party could have been I, I just I just laugh because it's not the three extra hours to stop me from going to London. It's <laughs> the price. And this is not going to go down on the price. Oh, no. This price would be this is the, 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 it, wasn't, it wasn't those three hours that would stop me from getting back but to in, London. In case you missed the theme of what I was saying, we're still looking for a jet. Let, me, t- jet. let me tell you who's going to buy one of these. Shad Khan. I am still on the bench. Oh, yeah. Jacksonville is about to play in London a lot more than what they are playing in London. Get ready for that. They're about to be the London Jaguars. What a more more attractive home, too, than Jacksonville, Florida. If you could call your home London and play football there, so much better than Jacksonville. I think we'd all agree, right? Well, I just think you have trouble finding players who are up for it. Do players want to get paid? It's like, it's like saying uh, finding players who are up for 17 games. Guess what? We found them. Yeah, I, I, think, well, I, think, I, you mean, could, I think you could make it work. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's like you always say, Paul, the number one issue is always pay. Who's going to outspend someone else? But it's also we have a draft. Exactly. I mean, is everyone going to unite and say, I refuse to play in London in one <laughs> draft and they'd not go if they're the second overall pick? That's what it would take. It would take a bunch well, of Eli Mannings happen. and John Elway saying, I'm not playing for the San Diego Chargers at the time, and I'm not playing for the Baltimore Colts at the time. Speaking of the San Diego Chargers, lights out Sean Merriman, about to join us. Now the L.A. Chargers. What does you he like think that about segue, that? Hutton? You good. like that segue I just what a, laid out for you? What does he think about that? What does he think about the pass rush in 2021, the taunting rule, all of that and more. Former pass rusher Sean Merriman next on OutKick 360. First, though, Aurora Nutriscience and vitalifescience.com, OutKick360's trusted partner 
when it comes to supplements, the vitamins, vitamin D3, C, glutathione. I use them all. And Aurora delivers your supplements where you need them the most, your body. VitalLifeScience.com is the website, V-I-D-A-LifeScience.com. Our OutKick 360 season ticket holders receive a 15% off discount with the code OutKick360 at the website, VitalLifeScience.com. Here's Aurora, unique, cutting-edge, nutritional, and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes that ensure greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. Again, I use the vitamin C, the vitamin D3, glutathione, simple, single-use packets. You can grab and go those with those in the morning. Aurora supplements will also help you if you're a weekend warrior, if you take medication for high cholesterol, if you want the endless benefits from curcumin, they can help you. VitaLifeScience.com for more info. 15% off with the code OUTKICK360. VitaLifeScience.com. Coming up, John McClain on the NFL headlines of the day. That's at 3 o'clock Central. Glenn Gilbo from OutKick will hit the SEC headlines with us at 4 o'clock. OutKick 360 rolls on from Music City, downtown Nashville, Tennessee, at 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Pleased to be joined uh, by a guest who normally joins us on Radio Row from time to time, Sean Merriman, former NFL pass rusher, host of the Lights Out podcast, uh, joins us now. Sean, great to have you back on the show, man. How are you? I'm doing well, my man. How about you? We, we are excellent. We were discussing prior to you joining us. Are you watching the Manning cast at all? Does that interest you? Yeah, I mean, I watch it. I mean, I'm not going to say I'm, you know, I'm in tune, but sometimes they have some good guests on. I thought Kevin Hart was funny the other night. Yeah. Um, some, some of it seemed a little bit like, you know, repetitive, you know, just to say the least, you know, kind of the same type of things. But I think the guests, right, you know what you're going to get from, from Eli and Peyton. I mean, they're, you know, they kind of have the same spiel, but – it's the guests who really, you know, really make the show depend on who they bring on. How many times did you get Peyton in a sack during your career? In one game or my career? <laughs> career. career. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know the number. I'm assuming you sacked Peyton more than you did uh, Eli. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got Peyton at least, you know, three or four times. Uh, well, three, three times in one game. So I'm, I'm guessing at least five or six times in my career. John Merriman, our guest. I like that you admit some regret. That 2006 Chargers team was really good, uh, 14 and two, and you feel like it should have been a Super Bowl team. New England came out there and and got you guys. But I saw you lately talking about getting together with guys from that team, and the number one theme you talk about is that you missed the, missed the opportunity, probably the best opportunity of your career to get to get to the Super Bowl. How good was that team? How much do you maybe not like that Patriots team because they stole stole what could have been your year? Well, you know, they, they won fair and square. Sure. Um, you know, anytime I, I get a chance to take a shot at the Patriots or Tom Brady, I, I know they do, but they uh, they beat us fair and square. They were so good. You know, they were, they were disciplined, um, and they took advantage of our, our mistakes. But hands down, we, we were the best team in, in probably the mid-2000s. I don't think anybody can, in, can really um, – you know, had that argument. If you look across the board, we had 11 Pro Bowls. I think we had probably four Hall of Famers on that one team. So if you look at it that way, we obviously had the best team. But, you know, we got to give the Patriots credit. They, they beat us fair and square, and, and uh, we didn't get one. But I, for sure, when you get around other guys who got rings and, and, and they're kind of shining them up and these Super Bowl events or when you're on some of these 
these panels with these other guys, and they got their rings on, and it makes you – it hurts a little bit. Does never cussing make you better or worse at talking trash if you're Philip Rivers? Because I'm sure that you've heard all of it, and the guy never says a curse word, yet he is a master of the art of talking trash. Does that make him better or worse at it? Better. I, I don't know about one – I mean, you got to give – him credit for being a best trash talker and never cursing. I've never heard him, and still to the day of my life, that you know somebody trash talk just one and not curse. I mean, you're gonna drop an f bomb or something at some point, and for him not to do it, there was one only one time. I one time in practice, I almost got him to curse, and we were kicking their butts in practice, defense side of the ball, and I just would not leave him on. And I and I thought I was gonna get him to drop the f bomb, and he didn't. That was the closest. <laughs> That was the closest I, I, I've ever seen him get to, but uh, I, you know, still never done it. Well, I know you have heard him rap before. Like you've been in meetings and heard Philip Rivers rap down the hallway. Does he edit himself while rapping? Well, you know, he only listens to the radio versions anyway, so it's never <laughs> any cursing. Um, but whatever the, the hottest song that was playing the most and got the most spins on the radio is the ones he knew the most, and. You ever been around like a you know eight, eight or nine year old kid and you got to watch what you say because they pick up on everything you say and do and he was that he was like you cannot uh, he would imitate how I walked or what I did like how I hyped up the team and my tone of voice and he would but it was almost a plot for him to get under your skin I don't know if you guys recall seeing the the, the clip with him and Yannick right was going back and forth at each other if you heard Philip in that clip drop his tone of voice and he he was. What he was doing was he's getting under Yannick's he was a uh, Yannick skin. And he did that. And he watched you in practice. He will imitate how you talk, how you walk, your demeanor, and will use it against you in arguments. Just use it because he was just a master at, at getting under your skin. I saw your video sending uh, Steelers fans home after the Sunday night game, um, politely asking them to clean up their towels as on their way out of town. Uh, you do a good job joking about it. How much you how much are you bothered as an alumni? How much do you think the team deep down is bothered by the influx of opponents? It's a tourist destination. I was there at SoFi for the first time with the Titans a few weeks ago. A lot of Titans fans got prime seats. Uh, obviously, it's not the, the home field advantage the Chargers would like it to be. Yeah, well, you, you know this is going to be the, the case, right? Um, let's be honest. A lot of people don't retire and move to Pittsburgh. Right. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I like Tennessee, so I can I can understand there'll be a lot of you know people from LA moving to Tennessee. I, I do like Tennessee, um, but a lot of people aren't moving to Kansas City and these other places from LA. It's just it's just the nature of the beast, um, you know. But that's going to change, right? I mean, it's it's going to change. These nine and ten year olds, eleven year olds, look, they, they don't know who I who I was when I played. They got it, they do it's because of YouTube or social media. They didn't get a chance to be played. So what you're hoping is is that. They grow up to be a Justin Herbert fan, right? A Keenan Allen fan, a Mike Williams fan, Joey Bosa. And so that's how you create that fan base. But you're going to have some people that's always going to be disgruntled, right, uh, about the Chargers movie. You're always going to have, uh, you know, other teams traveling because who don't want to go and spend two or three days in, in L.A.? I mean, it, those things are going to happen. But those jerseys are slowly going to change when the Chargers keep on winning. And when I've seen that over the past couple of years. Sean, I'm curious about uh, not the divide between the L.A. Chargers and the rest of the league, but the divide between the old San Diego Chargers and their fans and now the Los Angeles Chargers. We're based out here in Nashville. 
It's totally different in Nashville to Memphis, which is three hours down the road. People in Nashville aren't all into the Memphis Grizzlies. The Memphis Grizzlies fans aren't into the Nashville Predators or the Tennessee Titans. There's a divide there. Did that divide exist between San Diego and L.A.? Does it all sort of mesh together through Orange County? How does that work, and how do you see that playing out in the future? Yeah, that's, that's what it was. But, you know, the, the truth of the matter is if that the Chargers were to move to Orange County, uh, they could have – hell, they could have moved to Vegas, and people probably would have been less easy about it because of the same thing you just said. It's the L.A. and San Diego thing, and it's been there long before – uh, and just the, the two type of people clash with or without the football team. So you're always going to have this divide to go back and forth no matter what happens. Uh, and, and the team, quite frankly, could have moved to London. And I think would have probably got more support by moving to London. It's just that this thing with San Diego, and, and trust me, I, I played there. I played in San Diego. I, I know the reasons why. I've seen it firsthand. Uh, but that's neither here nor there, right? Um, the team is there in, in the best stadium in football in and, uh, you know, I've been to all the games uh, outside of one this year. And when they're winning and things are going well, that stadium is loud. And it's loud with a lot of, lot of fans out there for the Raiders game. Obviously, saw a lot, of, a lot of black. But as that game got a little bit out of hand, you started to see the black start walking up the stairs and getting out of the stadium. And then it was even. John Merriman, our guest. Uh, if you haven't checked out on YouTube Between Two Kegs that the Chargers have him host, go check that out. It is excellent. It's a great idea to get to know both Sean and a player on the Chargers roster. Um, Sean, how many games did you miss to start your rookie season in San Diego? And I'm going to set up your dominance in your rookie year, but was it like it was like five or six games, right? Yeah, yeah, I think I missed a few games. I'd actually hurt my uh, my knee in the preseason game in, in Minnesota, running down on kickoff. So okay. uh, when that happened, as you, as you know, I didn't see much kickoff action after that. You know, you got your first round draft pick running down on kickoff. Um, but I, I missed a Dallas game coming out. So I believe a few others, a, a partially sprained PCL or something like that. Um, but, but, you know, to be honest, because I held out during the offseason, I was picking up on the playbook. Uh, thank God for Wade Phillips and, and, and Mike, uh, Greg Minuski, John Pagano, and those guys getting me caught up because I had a – horrible time trying to catch up that playbook being thrown in the mix well I mean you you played like 10 or 11 games you end up being defensive rookie of the year you're a pro bowler and let's go to Wade Phillips tell us what tell our listeners what Wade Phillips did when you were inserted into the lineup because it was basically like hey Sean just go wherever the ball's going they, they brought me back so I, I could not line up uh I couldn't when they when they switch 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 to Strong side, the weak side, I, I could, just couldn't catch up. They were snapping the ball. My head was just spinning off my shoulders. Uh, Wade Phillips and Greg Minuski, John Pagano, they brought me in the back along with Marty Schottenheimer. And they said, look, we know what you can do. We've seen it already in these last couple of days in practice. We want you to see ball, go ball. I said, coach, what do you mean by that? They said, wherever the ball is, you go to it. We'll line you up. And that was my playbook, believe it or not, for about six games of the year. Uh, so missing those games wasn't necessarily a, a, a terrible thing because it got me caught up. So, Sean, you were a guy who got after the quarterback and had fun doing so. So when you see Cassius Marsh get a taunting <laughs> penalty that changes the complexion of a game for, for looking at a sideline and then getting what looked to me to be a, a, a hip check from Tony Carrente, the official, and then a flag comes out, what are your thoughts when you see that? You know, first and foremost, we understand what happens when a player touches a ref, right? You get it ejected and or suspended and fined. Um, we got to start making rules for us the other way around. 
they have to have some kind of repercussions where they feel like they can't do that. Whether he was going to give him a penalty or not, maybe he was or maybe he was not looking at the sideline. If he's going to get a flag, cool, no problem, flag him. But we all got eyes. They, you cannot deny that he took an extra step and put his body out there for him to run into it. Uh, so that's the first and foremost. The second part of it is, is that the reason why this country, we love football so much because of passion. Uh, the, the gladiator part of it, the, the bruteness, we love that uh, because we all know that the average Joe Blow walking the street is not about to take a hit across the middle, right? They're not about to line up against a 350-pound lineman. So you're, you're trying to figure out why these guys uh, have what they have and it's because they love the game of passion. And anytime you start to tamper with that, um, you're going to turn – they think it is – you know, I heard was it Matt Nagy came out, Coach Nagy came out and said something about having respect for the game. Uh, well, if they want a little bit more, they, you know, we'll have some respect too. But maybe, maybe guys should be allowed to play with more passion out there. Maybe they want to win some football games. Don't touch that part of the guy. I, I get it. The, the helmet, the helmet. You want to keep guys safe, even though I do believe that some of these crackback blocks and guys getting ejected, I think they go a little, a little bit over that, uh, overboard that ejected guys for certain hits. But I get it. You want to keep players safe. Whenever you start talk, touching the passion part of the football game, that's when you, you really can uh, turn away not only fans, but these young 10, 11-year-old Sean Bramers who got into this game because of the uh, Ray Lewis's of the world, because of the, the Dick Buckuses and, and, and Lawrence Taylors. And, uh, you know, I got into the game because these guys who play with passion. Sean Merriman, our guest. Uh, will you tell everyone how you uh, how the the lights out nickname came to be in high school and how you stuck with it? You bought into it. You played into. I mean, you're wearing the shirt right now. Lights out. Uh, it's been with you since you were in high school in Maryland. Yeah, my my, uh, my sophomore year in uh, at the Frederick Douglass, Frederick Douglass High School in Upper Marlboro, Maryland, PG County. Uh, I knocked out four kids in one game. Uh, and then after that game, I had about 20 or 25 students come run up to me and saying, man, you knocked those guys' lights out. And uh, I said, you know what? Yeah, call me lights out. And I had no idea that it was going to stick. I got to school on Monday, and I'm walking around my book bag. I'm going to class, and everybody's saying, what's up, lights? I said, man, I went, I went home that day, begged my mom to let me get a lights out tattoo switch on my right forearm. She told me to get the hell out of the room. <laughs> um, and you know, I kept, I kept bugging her. For two weeks, and she finally let me get the life switch, so that name just stuck around with me. I'm going to tell you this quick story, Sean, because uh, it makes sense for what I'm going to ask you with this follow-up question of your story. Uh, when I was a kid, we had this guy that we played against in baseball named Andy Gray, who was 12, but he looked to be 19 years old, and he threw about 85 miles per hour from a mound that was shorter than the major league distance. <laughs> Kids would make business decisions at that point that weren't really into a future in baseball that said, you know what? I'm going to get sick on this day and not go face Andy Gray as a pitcher because I don't want to take one high and tight when I'm a 12-year-old that's batting eighth in the lineup for my little league team. <laughs> After you knocked out four kids in one game, did other high school kids start to say, you know, coach, I'm good. I may not want to play this game against this guy who knocked out four high school kids in one game. I had a parent uh, at halftime. We went to halftime, got off the field, went back in the locker room. As we were running on the lock, on, on back on the field, she was standing in front of the entrance, blocking it with her hand on the both sides of the gates, saying that I shouldn't be on the field with her son. And for the coaches to show the birth certificate, because they thought they kept me back two or three years. And she was not about to. So they had to physically remove her to let us get on the field because she would not let me go back on the field with her son. Uh, she was probably smart, to be honest, you know, because um, – 
that that was one of those games where I was, you know, kind of out there headhunting a little bit. But I um, you know, look, I, I I played the game, man, because I love it. Um, and you get these you know, certain amount of guys that, that we are. There's a lot of great players in the NFL. You see some of these guys six five and six six, two hundred fifty, three hundred plus pounds, and just freakish athletes. But the ones who are separated from the ones, the ones who play with passion, that's the only difference. Everybody's big, fast, and strong. It's just a part of the game. Curious what you think about the, the ceiling for this version of the Chargers. Obviously, an exciting team with, with Herbert at the controls. We saw Eckler go crazy. Um, but they, they don't stop the run well. And, and that doesn't seem like a recipe to go very far in the playoffs. What kind of improvement are you seeing there? And, and what do you see for them? Well, I can tell you this. Um, you're absolutely right about that. Now, I've been preaching that the last three or four weeks. And that actually, the games that they lost because they couldn't stop the run. Uh, when you can't stop the run, it just opens up the floodgates for every single thing else that you want to do. And it's also, it, it sets a tone and a mentality for your team. They're saying, we can't stop the run. I played with some guys that wasn't that talented, wasn't big, wasn't strong, wasn't fast, but they were great against the run because they said, I'm not going to let this guy in front of me beat me. That, that was the mentality. I'm just not going to let this guy in front of me push me around. That, that's the mentality you have to have. The second part of it is, is this is not the old Chargers. This is not the Chargers a couple years ago. Matter of fact, Pittsburgh would have came back and won that game. If this was a team a few years ago, Pittsburgh would have came back at the end of that game and won it. Um, and so when you look at it that way, you look at they probably should have beat Dallas. You know, we, we, we talk about the taunt penalties and some of the things that happened. Uh, that's one. So you got one win back. Uh, the only game they really got pummeled this year and, and beaten really bad was the Ravens game. Other, every, every other game they were in it. So if you get, you know, the two games back and they, they're sitting at, you know, first place and, and very high up there in the AFC seed, um, and then getting back on track with, with beating Pittsburgh, even though they were a little bit banged up, they still got a shot. And as long as you win and beat, win the division and give yourself a chance, then you can start talking. But this is not the same Charger team. Are you at your gym right now? Is that Was that all the commotion? No, no, no. I'm, I'm at the airport now. Oh. You know, Clay, it's funny. Clay, Clay always wants to talk to me when I'm at the airport, which is <laughs> the same about every three <laughs> every three or four days so uh i'm used to it okay uh why why compare yourself so much or or at least maybe not compare keep up with demarcus Ware as much as you did throughout your career you were always seeing what he was up to in dallas i i love even coming out of troy state and i didn't know him much when he's at troy state but i was infatuated early on like how in the hell this team picked this pick this guy before me so we were actually pretty cool. We had a really good relationship during our playing days. And so we would stay in contact, hit each other up now and again. But he was such a tremendous player, man. And I'm so competitive as, as, a, as a, not even as a player, just as a person, that I always wanted, I always wanted to be best. I, not just better than him, I wanted to be better than everybody. But obviously, you know, him being, you know, he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He, I mean, he's, you know, he's one of the best to do it. So uh, to see and watch him, especially as somebody that was drafted before me, it was like, okay, cool, I got a chip on my shoulder. And I've always held on to that. Uh, but, yeah, we, I was just talking to him today. And we talk, we talk probably every other day. Uh, so uh, I got to get down there to his gym in, in Dallas to uh, get a workout with him. You thought Dallas was going to draft you, didn't you? Yeah. I mean, uh, Jerry, Jerry Jones actually, uh, during my visit there, he had, I think, the top 15 guys that were potentially drafted. Uh, and everybody's downstairs in the locker room. They sent somebody down there to get me. Uh, I go upstairs, and Jerry Jones and, and Bill Parcells put me in a tight little office, and I'm, and I'm sitting there, and they're breathing down my neck, and they're telling me they're going to draft me, and I'm all excited. 
And Bill Parcells told me, we can't wait to draft you so we can work your ass. That was his exact words. <laughs> and at, at that point, I said, I don't want to come here no more anyway. <laughs> not, not, not like this. So, uh, but it, it was it was great, man. A lot of a lot of my families uh, were were excited because they were, you know, in, in PG County, Washington, D.C. area, you were either uh, Washington football fan or you were a Dallas Cowboys fan. So my house was always evenly divided growing up. Have you seen this kid in Oregon, Thibodeau? How, how legit is he, if you've watched much of him? Uh, no, I haven't. I haven't okay. got a chance to watch much of him. Chase Young, uh, young pass rusher in the league. Is he is he as legit as it comes? Yeah, even though he had a down year, what I, what I would like to see out of Chase Young is after having a first year like that, um, and I try, to get in t- I try to get in touch with him once or twice in the offseason, after having a year that he had, you have to expect that they're going to come in and do everything to you possible. You're going to get the double team, the fan protections, chip off the edge, motion, crackbacks. Uh, they're going to try to do everything to keep you occupied to stay away. And so you have to start playing against the offensive coordinators. That's what I did. That's why I had a, a bigger year my second year than I did the first because I understood what was going to happen to me. I remember uh, playing the, the Philadelphia Eagles and the offensive line coach came up to me before the game and said, Sean, I got all the respect for you in the world, but you ain't touching Donovan today. And I, it pissed me off. I mean, I was really mad. I said, I'm, I'm going to go and show you, right? I didn't come nowhere near Donovan that day. When I tell you, they, they blocked me with more people than they had on the team. I just never saw anything like that before where they were chipping off the edge. You know, you know the tight ends were hitting them before they were going out in the routes. And I just could not sniff Donovan that day. And they just made sure of it. So at that point, I learned that I have to start playing against these coordinators. Sean, how often are you uh, putting out a new episode for your podcast? And where can we find it? Hopefully a lot more. And then, you know, obviously I got my uh, Lights Out Extreme fighting too, guys. Yep. I'm going to do some. got a big announcement. Uh, you can watch this game on FUBO Sports. All of our fights. We've got another big fight coming up here December 10th uh, in L.A. at the Commerce Casino. You guys come out if you, you know, if you can make it out one of these days. But uh, definitely check us out on FUBO Sports. But I love it, man. Look, anytime I get a chance to talk football and NASCAR and MMA, these, these things, I mean, it's, you know, I, I joke around and I get paid for some of this stuff. Um but the, the truth of the matter is, if somebody wanted to argue me about, you know, MMA or football, I'm probably going to talk to them for an hour in the corner. It's just, it's just yeah. how I am. Hey, get out, kick out there. We'll, we'll, we'll call the fights for you. Yeah, we'd love it. We'll live stream it. Man, come, come on out there, man. I would love that. Um, we set it up, and, and I'll jump on the uh, broadcast to you yeah. guys. But we got, we, got, we got the best up-and-coming fighters in the sport of MMA. We got a, a few guys transitioning. Uh, I got a show coming out about former NFL players, NHL uh, a couple of reality stars are transitioning into lights out extreme fighting. So uh, when that come out, you guys definitely have me back on. Hey, great. are you going to, are you going to join the the other promotions that say they pay more than Dana White in the UFC? No, man, I, I don't, <laughs> you know, that's, you, you know what? Um, and Marty Schottenheimer told me this a long time ago. He said, just, just perfect what you do. You know, we, yeah. we know that uh, there's other promotions and leagues out there. We're not really in no competition with anybody. We, we know we got the best up and coming talent. Um, you know, our last fight on football sports had 209,000 viewers and climbing. And so That's great. Um, I, That's really I, I enjoy this space. I've been around it for 16 years, training with some of the best, Randy Couture and Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell. I, I, I've been in there and got around them for, for a long time. And, and to be in this space now, this capacity, man, on, on the other side of it uh, is great. There's a big-time MMA gym right here in Nashville, uh, Nashville MMA that puts out. That's some... right. My, Michael, Chan- Michael Chandler knows That's guys. Right. They train out there a That's lot. That's right, uh, yeah. I meant that as no slide. All these promotions try to take a shot at Dana for his fight pay, and then Dana gets asked about it, and that's how they get promotion, is, is he has to answer questions about the other promotions. 
you know, th- this is what I have a problem with. You can have your gripes with Dana UFC or how they do business, whatever the deal is, but don't forget who opened those doors. Um, I, I, I can never, me personally, because maybe I disrespect the, the, the guys in, in football who came from before me, the LT and Ray Lewis and, you know, uh, Jack Lamb, all, all, the, all the big guys. I can never go at somebody who kind of paved the way for what I'm doing. Dana White is, and, and, and Fatima has been a pioneer in this sport. And so it, by you trying to, to compete and throw, throw shade and yeah. go at these guys, don't forget, man, who knocked down the doors. I mean, hell, yeah, MMA wasn't even accepted in, in, uh, in New York until about six, seven years ago. You know, so just think about how far the sport is coming and who kind of opened those doors. It's nothing wrong with having, you know, fair competition. But when you start taking shots at somebody who, who's been ex- as successful as they are in this sport, man, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of uh, BS to me. Hey, send the details of the of the fight. You said December. When is it coming up? December what? December tenth at the Commerce Casino, there we um, go. In, in Los Angeles, uh, and then you can catch us live uh, on Football Sports. I think we're live uh, at nine p.m. Eastern on Football on Football Sports, Football TV. We will, we will check it out and we'll share it on social media. We appreciate you, Sean. This Thanks, is great. Sean. Great visit. Fun. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for having All right. Me. See you soon. John Merriman, Lights Out, has been our guest. Stay tuned. More coming on OutKick 360. Talk NFL headlines with John McClain coming up in eight minutes. OutKick 360 rolls on. LeBron James suspended one game for that slap elbow backhand to the face. Uh, If you haven't seen it, You'll see it soon. Isaiah Stewart was the player. Isaiah Stewart suspended two games by the by the league. He's a Pistons player at the free throw line who was hit by LeBron over the weekend. And um, look, it, it looked very intentional. That's all I can say. And Stewart is right to come at LeBron, who ran behind his teammates instead of standing up to Stewart after uh, giving him a cheap shot at the free throw line. But the NBA suspends LeBron one game. And you find out how much LeBron makes in one game. And it's crazy. Like $285,000 in a game check is what he's going to lose. I'm surprised it's not more, to be honest. 285K and Isaiah Stewart in two games will miss 45K. Right. So two two games for him. And, And granted, there's a big difference between LeBron James and Isaiah Stewart as players. So you can understand the difference in pay. I'm okay with it. LeBron looked weak. Uh, yeah. In this it's whole like a, thing, a kid at the schoolyard getting behind his buddy, saying, "Hold me back, hold me back." There was no, there was no mistake. Like, did he intend to, you know, bloody the guy's eye to that extent? I don't know. But when you do a closed fist swing close back range. at someone at close range the way he did, you're going to do some damage. And uh, you know, I heard people saying it would have looked a lot better for the NBA if Isaiah Stewart just immediately retaliated. And I'm thinking, seriously. Because the media retaliation is going up and punching LeBron James in the face the way he got punched. And then you could have... It would have been blood on both sides. It could have been really bad. I mean, it could have been... Well, we just had Sean Merriman on. It could have been lights out for could, LeBron. It could have been a broken jaw. Well, it could have been a lot of bad things. More than that. Consider where they are. Yeah, it's it, it, immediately, if you notice on the video... In the palace. Immediate, did you hear the PA announcers? Immediately. Please do not... Do not enter the court yeah. or the playing surface. Imme- I mean, seconds into it. Yep. They were giving warnings out to everyone. It, it looked bad. You know, Isaiah Stewart, 
could not calm down, which I he looked understand. like Derrick well, Henry running up. He the middle. was he was yeah. livid, and then the blood started to flow from his eye and his lip, and he saw it. Like he touched his uh, side of his eye, and he saw how much blood was it on his hand. And then I got it, it enraged him from that point. He, he realized that he had really been mauled. Yeah, yeah, he saw red, literally. Yeah, he saw the red blood, and he saw red at that point, and uh, could not be contained. And I don't know if you guys noticed in the video, but he sprints in the uh, the tunnel. And you could tell around he was going around to try to get at LeBron. I don't know what happened in the tunnel. We don't have footage of that. I'm, I'm assuming a cop or Somebody security guards him. stopped him before he could do that. But it, it was an ugly scene, and I don't know. I thought it was just a weak look for LeBron James, who took a cheap shot and then wasn't ready to do anything about it. Ugly at the Palace. It will be ugly for Thanksgiving Day because it sounds like Jared Goff is going to start at quarterback for the Detroit Lions. He's going to be healthy enough to play. Oh, thank God. And that's, that's the word out of Detroit today. Coming up, John McClain joins us. NFL headlines next on OutKick 360. Hang with us.